Um, just before I start on the word today, um, just as Mark was singing and just the things we've been talking about today, um, this felt like there is uh, someone, at least someone, maybe more people that feel like their life's just absolute chaos. And God just really wants to talk into that this morning and just want you to know that his spirit is moving. Okay, so I'm just going to read from Genesis chapter 1, just verse 1 and just a little bit of verse 2. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And when I look at that creation story sometimes, it just reminds me of our own lives at times where there just seems to be a darkness, a desolateness, where um, it's a chaos, a chaos sort of thing. And, and that's how it was, you know. When the world was created, when God spoke, things changed. And I just want you to know this morning that he wants to speak into your life and he wants to change that darkness and that chaos. And, and the first words he said were so interesting, let there be light and there was light. And sometimes it just seems like darkness overwhelms us. But the Spirit of God is hovering over your life. He wants to enter in and be part of your life. And um, we've been looking at that a little bit over the last few weeks. So this morning, if that's you... I just want you to just hand that over to God right now and just say, God, my life is chaos. It's a mess, but I just want you to speak into it. So just going to, um, I know Ian's handing out the, the papers for this week, but if we could just uh, close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's just pray over that. Father God, we just thank you right now that your word is amazingly powerful. It's a word that gives life and hope and strength to all who would receive it. And Father, I just pray right now for that person and, and if that's you, you'll know because you'll be feeling it right now that, that you need God to enter in. I just pray for you right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you're just allowed to enter in and change the chaos, the darkness, the desolateness that you're feeling. Father, we just ask your Holy Spirit would not just be around but inside that person right now, Lord, and just bring change. Father, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so we um, had Matthew up here last week and did a sterling job over here, as I knew he would. I listened to his message on, during the week and uh, was inspired by it. It's just amazing. And as Ian was talking this morning, you know, we belong to a family. We belong to a family and, and it's just so good about God. You see all throughout his word, you know, he says, this is what I want to see. I want to see justice and mercy. I want you to see... See, you take care of the widows and orphans. You see, God's all about family. He's about connecting people back in to relationship. And this is what we've been looking at. And, and one of the things that you'll notice is over the, these, these weeks, you know, the first one was, you know, I'm created to be loved. That's my first purpose or my first calling in life. The second one was to belong and to be part of his family. He's drawn you in. And sometimes we have a problem with that because we're all about doing, aren't we? We're all like, we have to do something. This is, this is what it's all about. The Christian life is about doing. We, we need to get out. We need to find our purpose. 
which we do, absolutely. But what we do is we confuse our purpose at times. We don't understand that, firstly, we have to let God love us. That's hard because a lot of us think we are actually unlovable. But we looked at that and, and how God didn't make any mistakes when he created you. And again, that song this morning, you know, God makes beautiful things out of us. I find that amazing. I find it just beyond comprehension that, that he can transform a life of darkness and turn it into something beautiful out of dust, out of our nothingness and our emptiness, he can turn it around. And your first purpose was that, to be loved. Can you let yourself be loved by God and, and maybe even by the family that he's brought you into? Because it's not only first acceptance that God can actually love me, despite my failings and all the things I've done wrong and, and my bad attitudes and you know the hurts that I've had in my life, God can love me. But what about these people that are in the church? Can they love me? Could they really love me? Well, that's why he's placed you in a family so that you can grow in that and learn that you can be loved. Give yourself over to him. And today we're going to be looking at the third calling in our life, which is to become. The third calling is to become. So we need to make sure that we're building on top of the blocks that went before, okay? So what were those blocks, the foundation? I'm called to be loved and I'm called to belong to a family. If you don't start to build on that good foundation, you'll start straight away into the work side of things, won't you? It's like all about the acceptance I gain from God by the works that I do and we don't want to be that way. And you can't be the woman or the man of God that you're meant to be if you don't let yourself be loved first if you don't let yourself belong first. So we've got to become. But what have we got to become? We've got to become what? I don't know about you, but as a little kid, you sort of have dreams. You, you think about, you know, your teacher will ask you in grade two, what do you want to become? And uh, no doubt many of you would have put up your hand, oh, I want to be a fireman, a policeman, a nurse, a doctor, a, an amazing thing like that. And, and that's because those things are quite popular. I don't know about you, but it seems to be most of the kids in my class always used to want to be that. You know, or maybe a sportsman, a rally car driver, things like that. Put your hand up if you guys became what you thought you'd become in regard to career. That's pretty low average, isn't it? <laughs> Four people out of this whole crowd. And it's pretty universal that we don't always become what we think we're going to be. So we've got to make a definite decision to get there. And, and God's created me to be loved. He's created me to belong. And he's created me to be called to be like Jesus Christ, to be made in his image, to be formed in his, in his image. And one of the verses, the theme verses for this series of living out your calling, God's purpose for your life is Romans 8, 28. Now, I've looked at that verse already. This is what it says, Romans 8, 28 and 29. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. We know it's not all good, but God causes those things to work together for good if we love him and we're called according to his purpose. So that word again, the purpose, the calling and purpose. For God knew his people in advance before you're even born, God knew you. We understand that. He thought you up. You are his idea 
You're the one he thought of. And he chose them to become like his son, so to become like Jesus. Can you just circle that phrase there, to become like his son? Because this is really important. This is your third calling in life that we're looking at. He wants us to grow up and become like his son, Jesus Christ. And this was so that his son, Jesus, would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. That's us, guys. We're the brothers and sisters that belong to him. So if you're going to become like Jesus, it means that you're going to have to somehow be filled with love and joy, peace, patience, and a lot of other qualities like that. And so interesting that Ian gave that communion this morning about how we take on the characteristics of the family we belong to. Isn't that exactly what we're meant to do as Christians, to take on the Christ-likeness, to become like the family that we are now in? And you know what? God wants to change us to become like his son. It's not about us striving and, and working hard, although we do have to do those things. This is about God actually changing us, allowing his spirit to work inside of us to become like Jesus. And that can actually give us a whole lot of rest in life because he wants us to become godly. We know it's his desire that we become like his son. That's God's desire for us. That's his will for us. So when you start to pray about your life, you can actually pray that with confidence. Lord, I thank you that you're transforming me into the image of your son, that you're making me Christ-like, that, Lord, you're filling me with peace and, and joy and love. You're filling me with an with a, um, understanding of your word. You're opening up my eyes to who you are because we know it's his will and we can pray that with confidence, can't we? And the verses we're going to look at today are comparing our becoming Christ-like to running a race. So they're in that vein of things about how it's like a race. There's different things. But the thing is, it's a marathon. It's not just a sprint. It's a lifelong process of change that takes place in our life to become like Christ. And what's full maturity that we're working to? To become like Jesus. Look at him and you'll know what God wants you to become. So how am I going to do this? How am I going to enter into this marathon? We're going to look at eight statements from the five passages that will help you with this. The first step, number one, simplify my life. Now I know that that would resound in so many people's lives right now. Number one, simplify my life. This means that we've got to throw out all the stuff that's holding us back and the things that are, that are keeping us from becoming the person God wants us to be. We're going to have to clean out our mind. We're going to have to clean out our schedule, your relationships at times, the unnecessary baggage. Now, I don't know about you, but you don't often see, except for maybe the Sydney City to Surf and things like that where people are having a bit of a joke, but the serious runners in the race don't dress up in chicken costumes and run the race, do they? No. Nah. They don't put on a parka, a jumper and heavy boots and off they go. What they do is they get themselves as light as possible. In other words, they'll go down to singlet, shorts, very light running shoes because they know that if they carry extra weight, that could cost them. That could cost them time, 
It could cost them the, the reward of winning if they're going to win or maybe improving their time. They're not going to do that. And the first thing we've got to do is start to look at us. Are we carrying a whole lot of stuff that we don't need to carry? Are there weights that you're carrying around that are actually stopping you being who God wants you to be? Things that slow us down. So Hebrews chapter 12, we'll look there. That's one of the chapters that looks at that metaphor of being a race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. Now, I want you to circle the word anything because I don't want you to just think that, to think narrowly, think broadly in your life, anything. It actually means weight in the Greek, something that's really bulky, the things that slow you down, the things that are burden or heavy that hold you back. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, especially those sins that wrap around us so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Now, next word to circle. Circle the phrase, the particular race. This is important. You see, everybody has got a race that God wants them to run, and that race is different for every person. And you'll find there are a lot of people in life that want you to run their race. They want you to run to their rules. They want you to run to their expectations. And if they're doing something, they think you should be doing it. It might be a husband, it might be a wife that, that, that says, this is how you are meant to be. But we have to know that the race we're running is the race that God has for us, not that someone else has put on us. Are you going to run the God, God's race for you, the one he created you for? Are you going to run your race, the one that you think you should run? Or are you going to run the race that someone else wants you to run? You can't run all three at the same time because God has a special purpose for you, a special plan for your life, and you cannot do your plan and God's plan for your life at the same time. You can't do someone else's plan and God's plan at the same time. And it means that God has a particular race for us and we need to throw away the things that are slowing us down, get rid of the junk out of your life, the weights, the things, the habits that are going to slow you down and stop you being like Jesus. Maybe it's hurts, maybe it's hang-ups. Whatever it is, we need to throw those things aside. And you might have to let go of some expectations too. You know what? You just cannot please everyone else and please God at the same time. So you've got to decide who did God put you on earth to please? Is it for my partner, my clique, my club, the kids at school? Is it, what is it? Who is it? But you've got to let go of what everyone else expects you to do in life, the pressures that maybe your parents even put on you with the best intentions, maybe even the pressures the kids put on you as parents and live the life, run the race that God has designed you to race. So that's the first step. Simplify your life. Get rid of those things that are, that are tripping you up, the things that are wrapping around your legs and stopping you running the race you're meant to run. Number two, don't get impatient or in a hurry. Do you know 
This race is actually going to take your whole life. It's a marathon, remember that. So don't get impatient. You've got to pace yourself. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a race. Maybe I remember at the swimming carnival, it was actually me in this, in this instant. I couldn't swim for peanuts. Um, but you'd get in and it's like the 50-metre freestyle or something. I'd jump in and I'd just thrashing about like, you know, my washing machine, bubbles coming up. And I'd go, man, I must have gone a long way. I'd look at the side. It's like halfway across the pool and you're like, what? is going on. <laughs> I think I better slow down a bit. I better pace myself because I had this expectation that I could keep that up for the whole race. But guess what? I couldn't. I had to make sure that I paced myself so I could finish. Now, I never drowned. I wasn't that bad. But there were others who would just like take off and their pace really, you know, good. You might have beaten them for the first 10 metres, but then all of a sudden they're like, broom, broom, like, you know, little fish in the water. And you feel so ridiculous. But when you start as a Christian, you grow real fast, don't you? Especially when that love of God first hits your heart. Yeah, that's awesome. You just suddenly feel so different. It's like, I'm alive and, and you're excited about life and, and you grow quite fast. And you see that with our babies, you know, like they grow pretty quick. They can double their weight, you know, in a year, double their size. Well, I'm glad I've stopped growing now, sort of. I've, horizontal now Um, but the thing is that as we grow and mature as Christians it might not be as fast but it becomes stable it becomes strong and and think about things like trees an oak tree or what's a tree around here that could grow really old beauty leaf tree you might not even know what that is but it's a really really long slow growing tree and because it does that the wood is really dense you know if you get a, a fast growing tree the the tissue is all far apart and it's a weak tree so a, a quick growing branch is normally weak because the cells aren't compacted together it's not really strong or you might get something else like you know in the wet season you'll see mushrooms spring up they can grow in 6 hours mushrooms but where are they today They're back in the ground or in our stomach or whatever. But what do you want to be like? Do you want to be like that tree? Do you want to be the one with the roots going down deep? Do you want to be the one that stands by the river and and produces fruit season after season? If you want to do that, you've got to remember that this is a marathon. Don't be in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. In fact, there's a verse that talks about that. It says that he's not slow to act. He's not. He knows what the timing is and he's going to do it. But sometimes we're in such a hurry that we miss the actual strength of the growth. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you've ever rushed around doing things and you've got to be somewhere and, and in five minutes you've got to get everything ready and remember everything. Almost every time you'll forget something. Because you're just rushing around, but if you take it slow, you like have a good, right, what do I need to do? You think through things, you, you plan and you grow. Things don't go as wrong. It's called good planning. And we want to be like that. We want to be those strong trees, strong and stable. And you know what? I can show you how to become a man of God, the best I know, or a woman of God, the best I know. And you'd be quite good at it, actually, I think. But I can't tell you how to do it quickly. 
Maturity takes time. I can't show you how to be a mature Christian and you be a mature Christian the next day. It doesn't happen like that. Maturity takes time. So just relax for a bit, guys. You know how you think you're just not good enough or haven't done enough or you haven't advanced far enough in God's kingdom? Just relax. Chill. Take some time out. Circle that word in Hebrews 12.1. Let us run with patience. Circle patience. So if you can just start to plan your life, your Christian life, or maybe do a couple of little baby steps every week, that's how you'll grow. So maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever been in a small group. Maybe this is the first time you've read through a book like you're reading. Take the step. Don't make it too big. Don't think I have to do this much in a day. Every day with that book, there's a little reading. It takes seven minutes of your day. Maybe start to take those steps. Every day, read the book, start to get it, read it, then you start to think about it. But don't be impatient, don't be in a hurry, because this is going to take your lifetime, and even then it probably won't be finished. Number three, spend time focusing on Jesus every day. Every day. Let's start making habits. So when you look at that, you think, okay, I've got to spend time focusing on Jesus every day. Well, how much should that be? Neil, do you think it should be an hour, two hours? How much? Well, why don't we just try five minutes? Why don't we just try ten minutes? Let's start small. We do become what we tend to think about, don't we? Like whatever's up here in our head... Whatever we focus on in our heart will eventually come out of our mouth. If you hang out with critical people, it's very likely that you'll become critical. I remember seeing this in um, some of my family. Uh, my pa, he used to be married to a lady that wasn't so critical and he wasn't very critical. He ended up being with a lady who was just like, you'd watch the TV and I've got to admit, it's something that I battle sometimes, but... They'd be critical of everything on TV. They'd be critical of everyone, every decision that every person made, what they said every second. Oh, they should have done this. Oh, that's so stupid. Ah, da, 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 da. And it went on and on and on. And I could see his nature did change over that time. If you're going to hang out with critical people, you'll become critical. If you're going to hang around with people who lift you up, build you up, that's what you'll become. Whoever you spend the most time with is who you'll become like. They often say husband and wives grow alike after time and it's not a surprise because you're spending time together. You start to think the same because you talk about things together and you're becoming to decisions together. So, of course, you're going to become more alike. And you know what this is called? It's called a quiet time. Now, quiet time is not sitting down with your iPod on playing the latest music. It's not... Sitting down in Casuarina, it might be, if you can find a quiet spot there. But it's a place where you can think, where you can just sit down and there's no distractions. And I know this is hard for young people who need to be entertained all the time. There always needs to be something going on. But you need to have time to read the Bible, maybe five minutes. Then think about it. Commit your day to God. 
Talk to God about the things that are on your heart. Let him have those things. Ask him, is there anything you want to say to me through your word? You know what? Sometimes the reason you're not hearing God is you're not sitting still long enough to hear. You've always got to be doing something. And, and we look at that story of Mary, Mary and Martha. When Jesus came to the house and Martha's running around busy getting things prepared and, and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet learning, listening, spending time with him, getting to know his heart. And she came and complained and said, what are you doing, Mary? Get up and help. Jesus says, Martha, you got it all wrong. And you know what? I know people say, oh, we need Martha's and we need Mary's. We don't. We just need Mary's, people that are prepared to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. Because Martha was about doing works, about doing her own thing. Mary's saying, Jesus, I'm committing myself to you. And maybe you need to do that. And, and how do you know if it's him? God will give you a thought that's inspiration. It'll, it'll come through. If it's not him, if it's the devil, it'll be a temptation. Something that draws you away from God. So you know God's voice because it draws you close to him. It makes you like Christ. And some of you might have had this habit. Let's read Hebrews 12.2 again. The reason we strip things off. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus on who our faith depends from start to finish. You can't be like Jesus unless you spend time with him, focusing on him every day. We've got to understand, he started it, he's going to finish it. He's in it all the time. And you might have had that habit in your life, but you've stopped. Can I just encourage you, don't stop. Start again if you have. Start to develop that relationship again. And one really good way to do it is find a special place for you. I've got a place down the back of mum and dad's block that I go sometimes in the morning. It's just got some rocks. I'll go and sit on it. I've got another place at a lagoon that I drive to. I've got a mountain that I go to as well. It's not really a mountain. It's Darwin, but it's a hill. And there are places where no one else is where I can just sit down and relax and take the time to know God Think about you. Where's your special place? Where's a place you can go? Because if you can find that place, when you go there, you know what the purpose is and the reason and you start to commune with God. It's so special, seriously. And you know that the only reason you're there is to hear from him and spend some time with him. Pray aloud. Talk to God aloud. So that's why I say the eatery is probably not a good spot. You don't want to be sitting there praying aloud when everyone's walking around. They'll just think you're crazy. Don't do that. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but find a place where you can be quiet, where you can just focus on God. There might be your lounge chair in the morning before everyone's up. You're sitting there. Don't close your eyes. You'll go to sleep. Trust me. I remember I used to try and get up early to pray and I just can't do it. Seriously. <laughs> I'm better at night. So I'd get up and I'd start praying and then the words would come out and I'm like, you know what I said? doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it's just so weird and, and far out. I was like, I'm going back to bed. Make sure that it's when you're alert and ready to listen. So many people love the morning because it's quiet and surely you can find 10 minutes there. Whatever you like, you do. This was Jesus' habit. 
Jesus liked to go out to a standard place he could talk to his father. We know that he went to the wilderness, but also in Luke 22 it says this, that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives to pray. What does it say? He went out as usual. It was a habit. It wasn't something he just did one off. He liked to go there and spend time with his father. So you choose that quiet place for yourself. And the thing is this, you spend more time with Jesus, you become more like him. True? Absolutely. In fact, Moses spent so much time with God when he came down from the mountain, his face was shining and he had to wear a veil. But we're in a different place than, I think, over Easter and just before, there's quite a bit of the veil being lifted from us. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, all of us that have had, sorry, all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become, that's the word again, the third calling, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. So let's go through that verse and let's highlight a couple of things there. Firstly, could you circle the phrase more and more? Okay? That shows you that this is a time process, more and more. It's sequential. It takes a process, a system of getting that more and more. It's daily, one step at a time, and it doesn't happen instantly. And that's the thing that really is hard for a lot of people nowadays because we want a quick fix. Everything's instant, isn't it? You know, instant coffee, fast food, you know, a pill that'll fix whatever you want, maybe a song that will just mend your broken heart right there and then. It's like, I want this experience and bang, it's happened. But it doesn't happen like that. It takes time. As I said, God's not in a hurry. You're in a hurry. So spend time with him every day and you'll start to reflect the qualities of God. Now, if I'm wrong, let me know. But apparently there's some research being done on mirror neurons which shows that they're in our brain, the firing happens, but it helps us to actually um, empathise with people. So we start to feel what they feel as we're looking at them. And you might have actually noticed that you do that. If you're watching a beautiful romantic movie, you see, see yourself sitting there going, hmm, that's so beautiful, and the blades are like, oh, nah. Inside they're not, they love love too. But what we see, we start to reflect even emotions as well. Like everyone knows that yawns get passed on, right? So if I yawn up here, in fact, just by saying yawn, you might feel like yawning. <laughs> it just happens, right? They get passed on. And, <laughs> and it means that the mirror neurons are firing in your body, things that, that reflect and that verse says it quite clearly that it's like a mirror reflecting Christ. Remember the veil's been lifted. We have access into his throne, to God's throne. And we can now see him face to face as well. When you spend time with God, when you focus on him, your mirror neurons begin to reflect God's love and his qualities in your life. And you become more and more like him. Number four, when it gets hard, remember the reward. Do you understand that you're going to go through problems in life? Does everyone know that? 
Has anyone not had any problems? I doubt it very much. And if you're going to become like Christ, and you'll have to listen to this closely, it means you're going to have to go through some of the things he went through. You're going to actually have to share in his sufferings a bit. You see, there was times when Jesus was lonely, wasn't there? He was criticised as far as I know. He was rejected, he was betrayed, misunderstood. Jesus went through all these things and if God's own son wasn't spared from those things, do you think we would be? Now we can't go to the cross, that's one thing we can't share in. But we do share, actual physically, but we do share in the death because we put to death who we are. We share the resurrection because we rise to life with him and we receive him. And Matt talked about that with baptism last week. So next time you start to ask, why is this happening to me? You need to realise that God does use it to change your attitude. Remember the verse, not all things are good, but God will work all things for good for us who love him. And sometimes those things actually make us become like Christ. They refine our character. We know that when we're not tested, we never change. And the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. He was made complete through suffering. And guess what? You're going to learn the same way. I don't like that bit much. Do you? Maybe you should try and take it out. But (laughs) it's the truth. It really is. And you know what? Living here on earth isn't the easy stage. This is the hard time, guys. But you've got to remember the reward that's ahead of us. You see, once we get there to heaven, there's no more sickness, no problems, no difficulties But right now, we're going to have them. It's part of life. And that's where our character does get developed and when we're growing and becoming like Christ. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3. Jesus did not give up when he was running his race because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right hand of God's throne, So think what he went through, how he put up with so much, so much hatred from sinners. So don't let yourselves become discouraged and give up. When times are tough, don't let yourself get discouraged and give up. And here's a great promise in 1 Peter, verse 5. After you suffer for a short time, God who gives all grace will make everything right. What a good promise. He will make you strong. He will support you. He will keep you from falling. Isn't that great news when you're in the middle of a problem? That he's there to lift you up. He called you to share in his glory in Christ, a glory that will continue forever. So earth is short term, heaven is long term. Doesn't always promise an easy life on earth, but he promises a reward in heaven when you learn to become more like Christ. Do you know why? Because this isn't heaven here. This is earth. And it's broken. Doesn't mean everything's bad. We know there's moments of joy and happiness and and beautiful things happen. But we still have to work, don't we? We still have to struggle through life. And it's a development of our character. Excuse me. So Romans 8. Since we are his children, we will share in his treasure. Isn't that good? For everything God gives to his son, Christ, is ours too. And that's a pretty good deal. 
But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his sufferings. Again, I don't like that much. But don't be surprised if life gets tough sometimes. And the memory verse for this week, we're actually doing Romans 8.28, part of that verse. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are being called according to his purpose. Okay, so Romans 8.28, remember that. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Okay, does everyone know where it says that? Romans 8.28, fantastic. So take advantage of that little thing up the back there with the verses on it. So the next one, if we want to finish this marathon to maturity, number five, gather a team to run with me. You can't run your race alone. You just can't. And you'll probably find that throughout your life you'll have different people that enter in and enter out, exit out I should say, you don't enter out. But at different stages of life you've got different people running with you and you need them. You need people who are encouraging you and and spurring you on in your Christian walk that are helping you. And guess what? You need to be one that helps others as well. There's an old African proverb that says this, to run fast is to run by yourself, but to run far, run with other people. And I know that's so true. I've experienced that. And you don't need 100 people. You might need one or two, maybe three that run with you, that encourage you. I did a, a run once, and I've talked about it before, where it was over about 100 kilometres, and we dropped off in the middle of the night, blindfolded, had to find our way out, and run and try and win, be the first team across that line. And during that run, at different times, we had a team of four. There's twins, me and another guy. And it's just really weird, because at times you'd feel like not running. You'd be like, oh, I just can't do it anymore. And the other three were fine. So they'd say, come on, you can do it. And then after a certain amount of time, you'd pick up again. Yeah, I'm all right again now. And guess what? One of the ones that was encouraging you half an hour ago is now feeling like giving up. And so then they were encouraged by the others around them. I know that if I was in that by myself, I might have finished it, probably would have pressed on, but there's no way that I would have done it in the time that we did it where we just kept going and going and going because we need each other. We need people that can encourage us and there's no such thing as a Christian that is not part of a church, a local church, that can run the race properly. It just can't happen because we need each other. Hebrews 10 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So that means encourage. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Can I just encourage you to keep meeting in your small groups? Maybe even after we finish this this um, time that we're going through, what on earth are we here for? It would be really good if you could keep meeting, and it takes time, you know. When you're in a small group, you can start to talk about things, and you know what, over this six weeks, You won't actually form the relationships that are strong enough as they should be, where you feel comfortable to share everything, where you feel that you're loved unconditionally because trust also takes time. 
I say there's no pressure to keep going, guys, but just have a think about it. Maybe you think in a few weeks' time, you know, we just want to keep going. Let us know. Ian will be in, in contact with the people that are leading the group or the hosts of the group, and, and we'll give you some more curriculum if you want some. It won't happen overnight. Where you find friendship, deep friendships always takes time. But you do need to gather a team to run with you. You need those friends. And you also need to realise that God is cheering you on every stage. That's number six. Remember, God is cheering me at every stage. Some of us think he only wants to cheer us when we're doing the right thing, but he doesn't. You might think that I'm not mature yet and so God must be ashamed of me. Is anyone ashamed of a baby for trying to walk and when it falls over? I don't think so. You know, we're all clapping and cheering. Oh, you did really, really well. They can't walk yet, but they're having a crack. They're giving it a go. And God knows what's appropriate at different stages of growth for us. We're not perfect. And God smiles you at every stage. He's not waiting for you to get to a certain level of maturity and then he'll like you. Then he'll say, you're okay, I'll put my stamp on you. Sometimes we even secretly think we should be further along than we are. But guess what? You're not. You're just not. Can you change that? No, you can't because you are where you are. But remember how we're talking about taking those baby steps. Just keep walking. Just keep going. If you're going through hell, keep going. Walk through it. Walk out the other side. One of the problems is we try to fake it. We, we start to wear that mask and say, yeah, everything's cool. I'm all right. I've got it all together. I had an amazing prayer time. God just spoke to me and he speaks to me every day. I've never felt like he wasn't there. But you know inside that you actually have. You felt like God wasn't there. You felt like he's far away or your prayer time wasn't good or you've been tempted by something or you've even given into something. Do you know what? I'll tell you something right now. Everybody else knows you don't have it together. Everybody. God knows you don't have it together. And it doesn't matter. We go on to perfection. More and more we grow like Christ. So just sometimes admit it. Become vulnerable. Stop wearing the mask and say, my life is a wreck. I need help. Then you can stop spending all your energy on faking it and start converting that energy to becoming like Christ. You can become what God wants you to be or pretend that you already have it, but you don't. You can't have the energy to do both. So let's be honest with God. Remember how we say in those quiet times? Unload. God, I'm struggling with this. Thank him as well. But be honest with him. Again, God is God. I'm not. I'm never going to be God. I'll become like his son, but I'll never be Jesus Christ because I'm not him. But he will change me and transform me more and more into that image. And one of those things, you know, we might have different times that we'll get programs coming up. We're going to really be working on that this year. 
One for Men is Valiant Man, which Bob's going to be running just a little bit later on in the year. But that, that addresses some men's issues that need addressing. You know, we can fake it, men, and think we don't get tempted or things are always all right. But we need strength and we need brothers around us to help us. And there's not any one of us who doesn't need a recovery in some area of our life. And hopefully as a church, as we grow and mature, we're going to be able to start to do that as Isaac starts to unfold the Lifehouse concept over the next six months and ask for people, can you help? That's about helping kids who need help, that need recovery, but it's also about us learning to recover as well. God loves it. God loves to see his children doing well. He cheers it. He wants us to go for it. Philippians 3 is another of the classic passages about the the exercise. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I've already reached perfection. Excuse me. But he says, I keep working toward the day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. But I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. I forget the past. It's all the dumb things we've ever done. We forget them. Forgetting the past, I look forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling. Again, it's the calling, the calling to become, and he's calling us up to heaven. He says, I can just keep going. God's on our side. He's cheering me on every stage. Number seven, take every step with purpose. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your Christian life. Do you really want to waste your life? Do you know by being self-controlled and taking every step with purpose, you will gain such ground because you know where you're going. If you're going to be the the person that God wants you to be, some things you're just going to have to deny yourself. You're just going to have to say no to some things. You can't just go out and do what everyone else wants. Who of you could be out skiing today or at the races or sleeping in or having breakfast somewhere? But you've made a sacrifice today to come here and that's valid. You know that's valid? We can't just do everything we want because we are now Christ's children and we've got to listen to him. You know that people go to the Olympics give stuff up, don't they? Sometimes it's to their own detriment. They'll give up family and forsake them, but, but they get rid of the things that are going to stop them reaching the goal. Do you know what? As Christians, we have the right to do just about anything we want, really. Paul talks about that. He says, I can do what I want, but not everything's good for me. And some people might need to give up alcohol because it's a problem. Some of them might need to give up the computer because it's a problem. Some people might might have to give up sport because it's a problem. Some don't. What I'm saying is you know the things that stop you being more like Christ and you need to give them up. Some people will need to give up partying. Some people need to give up some of their friendships that just drag them down. 
Some people have to give up money because it's got such a hold of them. Maybe not for the whole time, but it's about being disciplined and saying no to some things. It might be TV, whatever it is in your life that's drawing you away. You know, how many times we say, oh, I just don't have time. I just don't have time to read the Bible. But I did have time to watch The Biggest Loser. (laughs) You know? Nothing wrong with it. But what I'm trying to say is not everything's good for me and I need to weigh it up and start to purposely think about my life and the steps I'm taking. Because if I want to grow to maturity, it means that I am going to have to throw away some things that stop me being who God wants me to be. 1 Corinthians 9 says, All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches or shadow boxes. In fact, it's worse than shadow boxing. It's like trying to hit someone that doesn't land. That's pretty hopeless. We don't want to be like that. If we're going to hit someone, we want to make it count and hurt. (laughs) True? But we don't want to hit people. Okay. (laughs) Let's just get that straight. (laughs) But you understand the message behind that. Make it count. Don't just spend all your time doing things that are worthless. We talked about that before, like the junk food. Now let's go to Hebrews 12 now. We'll go back to there because we want to get to the finish line. Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. God knows you're going to get tired, but he says, lift up your tired hands then and strengthen your trembling bones. When you don't feel like going on, God says, I'm going to give you strength. Keep walking. Keep walking. Whatever your lame foot is, you might have one in life. doesn't matter. Keep walking. Keep going. Don't just give up because it's, you're finding it hard. Keep walking and throw off the things that are slowing you down. Get a healing for the limp in your life. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe a weak relationship. Get some healing for it so you can start to walk on the straight path that God has for you. And that's the thing. God says that we have to walk a straight path, not a crooked path. And if you've ever had a limp or something that's really wrong with you, like your knee or something, you don't want to be going down a path that's winding like this because every turn starts to bring pain. You need to start to walk the straight path, what God wants you to do. Let's look at the last step, the eighth thing. Realise that what I don't finish, God will. What I don't get finished in my life, God will finish it for me. And it doesn't really matter. He's going to finish it. He's going to bring me to perfection and bring me to completion in heaven. Philippians 1 says this, and it's such a great promise. I'm sure that God who begun the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished. Circle that, finally finished. It's going to happen, guys. And this is the day it's going to happen when Christ Jesus comes back again. Yes. (laughs) It's going to be a great day, isn't it? Yeah. Whether we go up to heaven or he comes here, whatever it is, it's going to be a great day. 
Because when we see Jesus, we'll be seeing him face to face, literally. And the Bible also says that we'll be transformed, we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Isn't that good? And we're going to be forever with him. All our limps are gone, all our fears are gone, our failures, our frailties, our personality problems, our insecurities transformed into perfection. And those mirror neurons inside of us, as we're looking at Jesus, they're going to be changing us like him. And that is good news. And you might not think that you're what you ought to be or even a fraction of what you're meant to be. That's okay. Because it takes time. Maturity takes time. It takes a step after a step. It takes a day after a day. It takes a reading after a reading. It takes a prayer after a prayer. It takes time. But you can do it. You can go, you can run that race, and you can run it with confidence because you know that in the end, whatever you lack, he's going to fill. That's going to be a great day. Let's look at our last verse in the outline. John 1, 3, verse 2. Dear friends, we're already God's children. We can't even imagine what it will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him for we shall see him as he really is. Yeah, we've all struggled. We've all been there. But if your heart's still beating, your race is not over. You're loved by God and you're loved by us as a church. And as your pastor, I love you as well. And I'm ready to cheer for you. I believe in you guys. I really do. And I'm always there. If you ever need a ring and ask for help, ring, please do. Find some people that support you. And my commitment, and I know the elders and Matt talked about this last week, he said, you know, we're responsible for your souls and what a responsibility. We take it seriously. We want to see you guys finish the race and become just like Jesus, become just like him. Our third calling, to become like Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are again. I just want to pray right now over everyone here, Lord, that you'd start to speak into their hearts right now, into our hearts, about the baby steps we can take if we need to. Lord, forgive us for trying to do too much by ourselves. Lord, for cluttering our life or doing things that we really shouldn't do, being pressured by others to be someone who we're not. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to be more like your son, Jesus. Father, we're so grateful that you're patient with us. Lord, help us not to be in a hurry. Lord, I just pray over us right now that that we wouldn't want to just do it all in one day, but, Lord, we would want a greater maturity to know you, to love you as you really are. Help us in times when it's tough. Lord, to just stand on your word, to, to trust your arm is about us, to just completely give ourselves in your protection, Father. Lord, we just pray right now that there would be an amazing love flow through this place, Lord, that supports, that lifts up, that encourages, that equips. Father, we just thank you for it right now. I thank you, Lord, that you give us the power to change. And Lord, we just want to give you everything today. Everything we are, everything we think, everything we feel. We just want to commit it into your hands. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. Amen.